I'm pulling out the parking lot. We all know what that means. It's time for the drive to work. Now to drop my son off at camp. Okay, so today I'm going to talk about uh, a record that I have made that I'm not too proud of. Um, so I believe it was during Mirrodin Block that I earned this distinction. Um, up until that point, uh, Richard Garfield had made more banned and restricted cards than any other designer. And I passed them in Mirrodin. We, we banned a bunch of cards in Mirrodin, many of which I made. Um, so anyway, uh, so today I'm going to be talking, and probably more than just today, because I've made a bunch, I'm going to be talking about the banned and restricted cards that I had a hand in designing. Now I should note that not all of these I solely designed. Some of these I, I only had a small, a small role in. But I'm going to talk about all the cards that have ever been banned or restricted that I've had a hand in. Uh, and, and, and tell you the stories of how they came to be. So that's the plan for this podcast. Like I said, I, I believe this is more than one podcast. Uh, but we shall see. So, um, and once again, I'm only talking about ones that I had some hand in. There's lots of ones that uh, existed in sets that I might have been there. Um, but if I didn't have a hand in it, I'm not going to talk about it. So there's some that other people have made that I, I really didn't make. Um, okay, so we're going to start with uh, Either Works Marvel from Mirrodin. So it is an artifact, a legendary artifact that costs four. Um, it says whenever a permanent you control is put into a graveyard, you get an energy counter and then tap, pay uh, six energy. You look at the top six cards of your library. Um, you may cast a card from among them without paying its mana cost. And then you put the rest of the cards on the bottom of your library in a random order. Okay, so for starters, energy is my mechanic. Um, energy was originally made for Mirrodin, original Mirrodin. Um, but when I handed the set in, Bill thought I had too many things going on. So it ended up changing over to charge counters. So there was a bunch of charge counter stuff. That originally was energy. Uh, and anyway, I liked the mechanic and I, I'd been on the lookout for where to use it because I really liked the mechanic. It took until Kaladesh to find the right place. Now Kaladesh ended up being the perfect place for it. I mean, it really, it, it fit the environment. It fit sort of a larger um, invention theme we were going for. Uh, so it finally showed up in, in Kaladesh. Um, and this card came about, um, we were trying to make a card, one of the things we tried with our energy cards was to make energy cards that didn't require you to play a deck full of energy cards. So for example, this card here has a condition that will happen. I mean, your permanents are going to be put in the graveyard if you're just playing a game of magic, even if this is your only energy card. So it allowed you to generate energy uh, and then it gave you a way to make use of that energy. Now, energy is pretty parasitic. You know, having one way to use energy makes you want to have other ways to get energy. So there definitely is a little bit of, um, even though this was made so it could stand alone, it definitely was po more powerful in an energy deck. Um, and obviously, since it got banned, it was very powerful. Um, as a rule of thumb, probably the thing that's gotten in the most trouble uh, on banned and restricted cards is uh, skipping the mana cost. Um, the mana system is a very important way to sort of safeguard um, and make sure that things are not abused. Uh, and so we've got, I mean, I'm not sure which, either um, skipping mana costs or drawing cards. Those are the two things that historically have caused the most cards to get banned or restricted. Um, this does the former, obviously. But anyway, um, I did like that. Oh, and this was the card. Um, when we first premiered the mechanic, 
we did it at PAX, PAX is a convention, uh, Penny Arcade Expo, which is a convention here in Seattle, and at the time it's PAX West, I guess it's not called, um, there's more than one PAX, uh, and um, we bought out a theater right next to the, the convention center, and we had stuff all weekend long premiering Kawadesh, and we started with a really big show, and in that show, I premiered The Mechanics, and uh, In the Works Marvel was the card I showed off to first show Energy. Here's what energy is, and it's the very first card. And so the very first thing people saw when they saw energy was either works marble. Okay, next. Ancestral vision from Time Spiral. So this is a sorcery without a mana cost. It does not have a mana cost, but it has suspend, a suspend four for a blue mana. So rather than cast this card from your hand, you may pay blue mana and exile with four time counters. At the beginning of your upkeep, remove a time counter. When the last time counter is removed, cast it without paying its mana cost. Um, and target player uh, draw three cards. So one of the things we played around with in time spiral, first off, we made a mechanic called Suspend. Um, where does Suspend come from? Suspend came from, I think it was a mechanic that Brian Tinsman and his group had come up with for, um, what did they come up for? It might have been, they, they came up with, I forget what it was. Brian Tinsman was on a team that came up with it, and I think they pitched it to me. Might have been for Scourge. They pitched it to me, and I said, "Oh, this is," um, or maybe it was for. No, maybe it was for. Oh, I'll, I'll bet you it was for um, actually um, uh, Saviors of Kamigawa. That makes more sense time-wise. So I think he, he and his team came up for Saviors of Kamigawa. What I said to him is, it didn't really thematically fit in Saviors, and. It felt like a bigger mechanic. There was more we could do with it. So I said, well, let's save this and use it in um, a large set. So we ended up, I ended up, so we had that mechanic. We had a card called Split Second that we originally made for Cold Snap. Um, that was kind of a redoing of interrupts where spells that like couldn't be responded to. Um, and I realized that we had a bunch of mechanics that were all time related. So I came up with the idea of doing a block on, uh, dedicated to time mechanics. And then that led to the idea of having the three sets be past, present, and future. So once we came up with the idea of the first set being the set of the past, um, I had this brilliant idea of having, um, because of the reserve list, there were cards that we couldn't print on the reserve list, I said, you know, it might be fun to make some suspended version of reserve list cards. Because we can't make the exact, like we can't make Ancestral Recall, which is cards ripping off of, but... Suspend would allow us to make a card that you could let you draw three cards for a single blue mana. Now, you had to wait for a turn, so it wasn't quite in social recall. And also, it's different enough that it's, it's you know, we're not reprinting a social recall. Having to wait four turns is a significantly different card than immediately getting to draw three cards. So what we did is we made a bunch of cards that were um, exactly uh, classic old cards and then made it such that if you suspended them, you got um, you got it at the cost that the card is famously for being at. Now, the problem with this card is, well, if the card costs one, there's not, you know, if that's the discount, um, you know, we talked about it costing more mana. Um, I think originally the card we talked about, you know, costs four mana or whatever, something in which it's not a bargain to do. Um, but we decided that you just would never feel good, like, it was, it was splashier if it just was always in social recall. You had no choice. It was take four turns in social recall. So we ended up not putting a mana cost on it. We, we didn't talk about it, but we felt it was a splasher this way. And so we ended up making it. And um, 
I was the one uh, who made the bold suggestion of making an inception recall. Uh, I, th- I thought it would be kind of sexy. It was, and it, and it was. Next, Ancient Den from Mirrodin. So it's an artifact land tapped for white. Um, so, uh, so I came up with the idea in Mirrodin um, that it might be cool because Mirrodin had an artifact matters theme. So I thought it might be cool to make basic lands um, that had the attribute of being an artifact. And the idea was, well, it's an artifact set. People will be playing a lot of artifact destruction. So the downside of playing an artifact land is your opponent's going to destroy your land with their artifact destruction, which they would be running standard. And um, artifact destruction is much cheaper than land destruction. Um, and so the idea was that you would be putting yourself at risk, that there would be a downside to them. Now, on the upside was, oh, here's a set that cares about artifacts, and you had an affinity for artifacts, and you had things that made you sacrifice artifacts or counter artifacts. So it being an artifact had value. So I, I was really kind of, I thought it was cool that, like, it had value as an artifact, and it, um, it had some vulnerability by being an artifact. Well... Uh, so we made a mechanic called Affinity. So Affinity from Artifacts was a mechanic that said, for every artifact you have, this costs one less. Well, it turns out, A, that Affinity was really strong, and B, artifact lands were essentially made Affinity cards cost two less. Because A, um, they were uh, artifacts, so Affinity for Artifacts, and B, they tapped for mana. So essentially, it allowed you to sort of get two mana to play an Affinity for Artifacts card. And so it was very strong. Now, the funny thing is, if Affinity for Artifacts hadn't happened, I think it might have been okay. I mean, even without Affinity, it was strong. There's lots of reasons why you want to count your artifacts or sack your artifacts or do stuff. Um, And the reason that we, we kept them in there, we talked about this, was there's a lot of fun things. If you're kind of playing honestly with them, there's a lot of fun things you can do. Um, and so it saddened me when we had to ban the artifact. In fact, we banned all six or six artifact lands. We banned them all at the time. Uh, and the reason was the artifact lands were just so good with the video for artifacts. Uh, and it didn't matter because the artifact decks didn't play tons of color. It didn't matter which ones you had. It was kind of crazy that in the original version before we banned any of them, you could play all of them. And so that allowed you to have a mana base of, of almost all artifact. I think you could have a mana base of nothing but artifact lands, uh, which just made, just accelerated everything. So I, I do like this design, uh, uh, but it did teach me that the making something, the property, making a land have the property of something is, is dangerous territory. Speaking of dangerous lands, Ancient Tomb from Tempest. So it's a land, it taps for two colorless mana, and it deals two damage to you. So I like um, colorless lands, and I think the idea behind this land was, well, there's a cost to be paid. Yeah, you get two mana, but well, I mean, you have to pay two life. Uh, and as it turns out, that is just pretty broken. We There was a Pro Tour, uh, Pro Tour Los Angeles, the one that uh, Dave Price won. Um, and basically what I was told is, every deck, most decks were monocolor decks, and every deck was, how do we abuse Ancient Den? Like, Ancient Den's the broken, like, like in, the, in, the, in the format, the one of one of maybe not the most, but one of the most broken cards in the format was Ancient Den, and so every day the reason decks played mono color was you really couldn't afford to play two color and play Ancient Den, so you played one color so you could play Ancient Den, um, and there were mono red decks play Ancient Den and mono green decks play Ancient Den and mono white decks that play Ancient Den. I think there was mono blue decks, maybe even mono black. I think there were all the colors, but they played Ancient, Den. and uh, it's basically what we learned in Ancient Den. Well, I mean. 
I don't think we learned this at the time of Ancient Den because we made a few more cards that tap for two mana, but we eventually learned the cards that tap for more than one mana, if they're not really narrow, are problematic. Especially if you, if you can just use them to cast any spell, they are problematic. So Ancient Tomb uh, caused many a problem. Next, Arkbond Ravenger from Darksteel. So this costs two mana. It's an artifact creature, a beast. You sacrifice an article. You sacrifice an artifact, but a plus one plus one counter on Arkbond Ravenger. Then it had Modular. Oh, it's a Modular one, which this creature enters the battlefield with a plus one plus one counter. And then when it dies, you may put it, its plus one plus one counters on a ar target artifact creature. So it's a zero zero, but it comes in with one counter. So essentially, it's a one one creature because it's a zero zero with a plus one plus one counter. You can sacrifice counters to put plus and plus ones on it, and then if this ever dies, you get to move them to another artifact creature. Um, Arkbond Ravager proved to be mega, mega powerful, uh, and there's a bunch of reasons. One of the things it would be comboed with was there was a card that every time an artifact left went to the battle, went to the graveyard, it did damage to the opponent. So you get out a bunch of stuff, sacrifice it, make this bigger. Uh, if this died, then just move to another creature. Sometimes it would move to another Arkbarn Ravager, uh, so that you could just keep moving things. Um, anyway, this card, like I was, when I made it, I was just trying to be clever. Modular was a mechanic that we had in Darksteel. Uh, modular, oh, the modular mechanic was a riff off the Chimeras that were in original Visions. So the Vision teams had made these things called Chimeras. They were artifact creatures that when they died, uh, you got plus and plus one counters equal to their size. Oh, I'm sorry. I think you got a single counter that granted everything about them. Uh, like, it'd be a 2-2 Vigilance creature died, you would put a counter on another artifact creature that was plus one plus two in Vigilance. So we cleaned that up a little bit, made them plus one plus one counters, um, didn't do other abilities, just did the plus one plus one counters. But anyway, Modular was our take on um, sort of Chimeras for this, that we were doing artifact creatures. And then I liked the idea that you could sacrifice things to put counters on it. And I felt like, oh, sacrificing artifacts made you want to play artifacts, but also just did it in a, in a kind of different way. Anyway, uh, the fact there's no cost to sacking the artifacts meant that you can make this thing real big, so your opponent kind of had to assume that it was as big as the number of artifacts you had, which caused a lot of crazy things to happen. Then even if you put artifacts in this thing and it died, they moved to another creature, like I said, often another artifact creature. Okay, Ashnot's Coupon, zero from Unglued, artifact. Tap, sacrifice Ashnot's Coupon, Coupon, target player gets you target drink, you pay any cost for the drink. Um, so this is, I think this was, this, I just printed up a list of cards that have ever been banned. I think this card was banned when uh, Silver Border cards went into um, Commander. I think this was banned. That's what I think, I mean, there's not a lot of Silver Border cards played, so I think this went there. This card was originally made, I, it just tickled me. I like the idea of making a card that just... I, I love the unsets of cards that just make you have stories. Um, and so I just... I, it just it, it tickled me to no end that, like, this card had a function kind of outside of the game. Um, now, it was a zero-drop artifact, so, I mean, maybe you can make a use of it. And But just the idea that, like, oh, I might play this because I want someone to go get me a drink. I don't know. It tickled my funny bone. Um, I'm not sure why we made it Ashnod. Ashnod is uh, Mishra's um, apprentice. Uh, I'm not sure why I decided to make an Ashnod scoop. I mean, we were naming things after different characters, and I Ashnod has shown up in a bunch of artifact names. Oh, because she, she all, as, as with everybody in that time of the story, was an artificer. Um, so I'm not sure why I went with Ashnod. It's an interesting question, rather than Taunus's coupon or whatever. Um, but anyway, uh, that is. I think this. I think this is. Well, we'll see what we get there. Um, I'm not sure how many Civil Border cards have been banned. 
Uh, I made a lot of them, I'm sure. But we'll, we'll get to other ones eventually if, if, if they're here. Uh, a tune with ether in, from Kaladesh. Sorcery. Search your library for a basic land card, reveal it, put it in your hand, then shuffle your library, you get two energy. I know when we were making basic land cards, we were just trying to think of what are basic effects that we could do, and then just stick energy granting on them. Um, we liked this card because we liked the, the, just the thematic synergy of this card gets you resources. It gets you land for your mana spells, and it gets you energy for your energy costs. Um, and so I, I, I just really like the, the aesthetics of it. Like, one of the things when we make cards is, beyond just the usefulness of it, and this card's plenty useful, is trying to make things where there's some thematic tie to it. And so I really like the idea that there's this tie between the na nature's way and the ether. Ether was what um, energy was. And the, the elves in the world um, were pro-artifacts, which is weird for green. But in this world, there was a, a synergy between nature and artifacts. And so I, I thought this card did a, a nice job of kind of balancing that. So I thought that was kind of fun. Next, back to basics, Urza Saga. It's an enchantment that costs two and a blue, so three mana total, one of which is blue. Non-basic lands don't untap during the controller's untap steps. Um, so one of the things we were doing back during Urza Saga was trying... I, I had this dream that we could make dual lands and maybe even make them a little better than normal if there were more dual land hosing that went on. So I, I made a bunch of cards uh, designed to sort of hose non-basic lands on my quest to say, well, if being a non-basic land really had downsides, then maybe we could make you know them individually a little better because there's always the threat that if you're over-committing to your non-basic lands, people could pull stuff like back to basics. Um, the reason this got banned is uh, in a lot of older formats, that's all people play are non-basics, and so it ended up being a little too strong, I guess, is why it got banned. Um, once again, I, I just have a list of everything that's ever been banned, so I'm not always sure where things are banned or, or restricted. Sorry, banned or restricted. Um, although if they're restricted, that means they're from vintage, because that's the only the only set that has a restricted list. Um, I don't know what format is. I mean, I obviously know older formats it's way better because non-basic lands are crazy good especially in older formats. So my guess is it's from an older format. Probably vintage, maybe, maybe vintage and legacy. Okay, next, Bitter Blossom from Morning Tide. So it's a tri uh, costs one and a black, so two mana, one which is black. It's a tribal enchantment fairy. Uh, it's from Lorwyn. Oh, it's from Morning Tide, from Lorwyn Black. At the beginning of your upkeep, you lose one life and create a one-one black fairy rogue creature token with flying. Okay, there's a lot to unpack here. So I was trying to make a card. This card was inspired by Frexian Arena. So Frexia Arena is an enchantment that every turn you lose a life and you get to draw a card. Uh, I liked Frexia, I'd, I'd made Frexia Arena and I liked Frexia Arena and I thought it was a cool card and I was trying to look for uh, a different way to make use of it. And I think at the time we were trying to make um, Morning Tide, Lorwyn Block was a tribal block. So I was trying to come up with something in black. What would black want to do that's tribal related? And then, oh, well, what if it got to make a creature? That seems like it'd be pretty good. Um, we ended up making it a fairy because uh, fairy was when the creature was in black. We made it fly because it's a fairy. Uh, and you're paying a life every turn. It's like, okay, we'll get a fairy. We made it a fairy rogue creature because Morning Tide had a um, class-based tribes in it. So we made sure in Lorwyn Block to give all our, uh, our tokens both a race and a class so that the race would work with all the cards from Lorwyn and the class would work with all the cards from Morning Tide. Um, Anyway, I think when I made this card, I don't, re I, I don't, 
I don't think I realized how good it was. I mean, I know Frexian Reading is good, but my thought was drawing a card was a little bit better than getting a 1-1 creature. Uh, apparently, that is not the case, because I think this is stronger than... Anyway. So, anyway, um, Mia Culpa. Um, I mean, it is a fun card, and uh, it turns out that black has lots of ways to gain life by draining people and stuff, and so this really isn't that big a cost for black. I mean, black does... It, something like red, for example, that doesn't... Um, gain life quite as easily. Maybe this is a little bit more if it you know, did a damage to you every time it made a creature. Um, but black, black has a lot of drain effects, so it's not that big a drawback for black. Um, so it ended up being a pretty strong card, and obviously got banned. Okay, next. Braids Cabal Minion from Odyssey. So Braids cost two black black, so four mana total, two of which is black. It's a legendary creature, human minion. Um, it is a 2-2 creature. At the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player sacrifices an artifact, creature, or land. So what's going on here is Braids was a character from the story. She was a bit unstable. She was part of the Cabal. Uh, and all the Cabal were named after attributes of how they looked. Uh, they No one called them by the kind of your real name. So like Chainer had chains. He was Chainer. And Braids wore Braids. So she was Braids. And so they, they had very kind of like... Uh, you, you could figure out who they are from looking at them sort of names. Um, and Braids was a little unhinged. Um, she she liked to torture things and destroy things. And so I was trying to come with something that played into that dangerous quality of hers. Uh, and I liked the idea that she was a little unstable and that she... Um, not only does she make your opponent have to sacrifice things, she makes you also have to sacrifice things. That kind of the, the sense of crazy I was going for was that... Yeah, she can help you get rid of your opponent's stuff, but she's going to get rid of your stuff, too. And so it, she kind of brings this chaos to everybody. Now, it turns out that that ability of making someone sacrifice an, uh, something every turn, even if you have to sacrifice stuff, but because you can generate tokens or whatever, maybe a bitter blossom or something, um, it's not that hard if you're prepared for it when your opponent's not prepared for it. So braids ended up being, being bad. Burning Wish from Judgment. So, one in a red, sorcery. You may choose a sorcery card you own from outside the game, reveal that card, and put it in your hand. XL Burning Wish. So, this was during Judgment. We were trying to come up with a splashy cycle for Judgment, uh, and we were inspired by a card called Jeweled Bird from Arabian Nights. I believe Richard made this because it was in Arabian Nights. And Jeweled Bird lets you get a card from outside the game. I think Jeweled Bird gets, well, you get another anti-card, but essentially it's just a card from your deck. Um... But, oh, no, did Jewel Bird... No, I think Jewel Bird, you got stuff from outside. Yeah, Jewel Bird, you, you did get something from outside the game. Um, oh, oh I, right, right, right. It cost an extra anti-card to do it, but it got a card from outside the game. Uh, and we thought that was really cool, and we were just looking for something super splashy. Um, we, we really felt that Judgment needed uh, just a cycle, like a rare cycle that said, what? Uh, and so we came up with the idea of the wishes, um, and then we divvied up the wishes. I think red... Um, Red, uh, so we ended up making instants for blue, sorceries for red. Uh, I trying to remember how that all played out. I think green got you creatures, white got you enchantments or artifacts, and then black got you anything we paid life. I, I believe is how that played out. Um, anyway, uh, so I, not all the wishes are on the list, but a couple are. So anyway, burning wishes on, it got banned. Um, but we made we made all the wishes as a as a group together. It was it was a group creation. So I definitely had a hand in the making of it. Um, the idea of getting things back from exile with wishes was not true when wishes were first made. Um, that later, uh, I might have been less 
eager to do the wishes if I'd known they would get stuff back from exile. Uh, that, that, that's not how they worked when we originally made them, but they, they later ended up working that way. I think the reason for that is exile removed things from the game, and like it sort of said, get things from outside. Oh, this was before exile was exile. Right. You remove something from the game, and then the wishes said, get something from outside the game. Like, well, you removed it from the game. So anyway, it ended up being that way. Next, Chrome Mox from Mirrodin. Costs zero. It's an artifact. It's got imprint. When Chrome Mox enters the battlefield, you may exile a non-artifact, non-land card from your hand, and you can tap to add one man of any of the exile card's colors. So we knew when we made Mirrodin and we were doing an artifact block, we really wanted to do make a Mox, because we said, oh, you know, what, what says artifact block? Mox. Uh, we knew Mo- And a Mox, we felt, had to be an artifact that cost zero that tapped for mana. So we were made imprint. So imprint was a mechanic. So both... Both Brian Tinton and I had made individual cards that I thought were really cool individual designs, and it dawned on me that each one of us had removed a card. Uh, my 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 was uh, Clone Machine. What did that become? Soul Foundry, and his was uh, what was it? It was the one where when you attack, you went and got an instant or sorcery. I forget what it's called. Anyway, we we each made individual cards. We weren't trying to make a mechanic or anything. We just had individual cards. And um, I realized that they were both cool designs, but they overlapped in, the, uh, in you, you removing a card as, as a template. And I said, you know what? That's pretty cool. I think we can make a whole mechanic out of that. So in Mirrodin, when I was trying to look for, for cool artifact things, I realized that it made a lot of sense to put in an artifact set because the idea of sort of fine-tuning what your artifact can do made a lot of sense. It really felt like, a, like an artifact thing to do. So we introduced Imprint in Mirrodin. Uh, and then we were trying to make a Mox one of the problems is zero cost tap for mana is can be, you know, problematic. So we decided to try to have an extra cost here. And the, the idea was, well, you essentially had to get rid of a card in your hand. And in order for the card to be of value, it needed to be colored. So it, you couldn't just get rid of a land. You had to get rid of an actual card. Um, and so that felt... I mean, at the time, we're like, oh, that seems like, okay, that should be a decent cost. Turns out that Getting mana is so valuable, especially in older formats, that a little bit of loss of card advantage isn't that big a deal. There's so many ways to draw cards in older formats, especially vintage, uh, that it just, the drawback wasn't enough to not make it very, very good in the format. So, um, I, uh, most the, most of the banned moxes were, or, or sorry, restricted moxes, we're talking vintage. Most of the restricted moxes were not made by me, uh, but I did have a hand in this one. Uh, next, Cloud of Fairies from Urza's Legacy. One in a blue for a 1-1 one, one, uh, fairy creature. It's a creature. It flies, because I think all fairies fly. When Cloud of Fairies enters the battlefield, untap up to two lands. Um, so that's the free mechanic. And then it had Cycling 2. So the free mechanic was a mechanic that I made in Urza's Saga block, where you untap lands equal to the converted mana cost of the spell. I mean, it told you the number. Uh, so this cost two, so it untapped two lands. And the idea of a free spell was... Provided you have the mana to cast it, provided you can cast it, once it enters the battlefield, it untapped the lands that you used to cast it. Although, it didn't specify that. One of the reasons it made free spells really good is you could tap a whole bunch of mana and then use it to untap other mana, not necessarily what you used to cast this spell. Um, anyway, the free mechanic is one of the most broken mechanics we've ever made. Um, one of the signs that's a very broken mechanic is that you can't use, you can't make it more expensive to, to power it down. Sometimes taking a free spell, making it more powerful, you know, raising the cost makes it more powerful. Not a lot of mechanics can go, oh, I'm going to add a mana, and now it's more powerful. That's not true of most mechanics. Um, anyway, I think this card might have been designed for Urza's Saga, and then got pushed back for Urza's Legacy. 
I do know I named this card. I'm very proud of this name. We, we, it's fun trying to come up with collectives for things that don't have collectives. So I was very proud of Cloud of Fairies. I thought that was cool. How are we doing on time here? Um, okay, I'll do a few more cards. Um, and then I'm going to call it a day. Uh, obviously, this is going to be more than one. I've made, I've made a few uh, band restricted cards. Cloudpost, Mirrodin, Land, Locust. Cloudpost enters the battlefield tapped. Tap add um, C for each Locust on the battlefield. Um, I think this was another team design in Mirrodin. Um, we liked the idea of something that... Um, I think this was the first Locust. Uh, we later have made more Locusts to, to go with Cloudpost. But the idea was... I think the idea was... It taps for one. The first one taps for one. The second one taps for two. The third one taps for three. The fourth one taps for four. Kind of a riff off Kindle, uh, a mechanic that I'd made in, in Tempest. Uh, well, I like the idea of a, of a land that uh, uh, sort of like, oh, I guess it's, not, not, it's more like a plague ride, I guess, because each one of them goes up. Yeah, I guess it's more plague ready. Each one goes up. Anyway, uh, obviously being able to attack for 16 mana with four, spell, four lands is pretty good. So that got a... Uh, that got banned. Um, coalition victory. Three, white, blue, black, red, green. So eight mana total. One white, one green. One white, one blue, one black, one red, one green. In invasion. It's a sorcery. You win the game if you control a land of each basic land type and a creature of each color. So what happened there was uh, invasion had a play, play all the colors theme. Uh, domain was a mechanic, you know, the unnamed at the time, uh, that you, you rewarded you for having um, you, spells that scaled based on how many basic land types you had in play. And so I liked the idea of, I love alternate wins. What if we had an alternate win that sort of played into that, but going beyond just having one of each land type, because that wasn't that hard, what if we also had to have a, a creature of each color? Although, a five-color creature would satisfy all, all of those. Um, so if you had, um, I think you could have Sliver Queen or some five-color creature and three dual lands of the appropriate types, and you could meet the, the conditions of that. How are we doing here? Uh, okay, let me... Uh, I'm going to finish off C and then I call it a day. Cranial plating from Fifth Dawn was uh, two mana for uh, two generic mana for an artifact. It's equipment. Equipped creature gets plus one plus zero for each artifact you control. Black black attach cranial plating to target creature you control. Equip one. So the idea here was a you could equip it for colored mana and that allowed you to move it between creatures. I, I, I like the idea of uh, equipment that you can move between creatures. This was I originally designed a, this, this, this was part of a cycle. I originally designed the cycle for original Mirrodin. And we decided that it was a riff and then we should hold it back. So I held it back for, um, for uh, Fifth Dawn. And uh, it ended up being crazy good. Uh, this was the only one in the cycle. This was the strongest one in the cycle. And the one that ended up getting banned. I think this is the one that pumps power. Um, anyway, uh, I like I the idea of it. And it's, a, it's a cool design, but it ended up being sort of powerful. Crop rotation, Urza's legacy, costs one green, it's an instant. As an additional cost to cast a spell, sacrifice a land, search your library for a land card, and put that card on the battlefield, then shuffle your library. Um, this is back in the day when we did a lot of sort of more tutoring and stuff. The idea here was it let you turn a land from one land into another land, but from whatever land you had to a land you needed. Um, the fact that it doesn't say basic land, you can go to whatever land you want, uh, ended up making this card what made it banned. Because uh, there's a lot of broken lands out there, so you can go get the broken land. Um, interestingly, crop rotation was the original name for Harrow in, um, te- uh, in Tempest, um, and then we ended up uh, using it here. I-, I think I I named Harrow crop rotation. The name didn't get used, so I named this one crop rotation. The name did get used. Okay, my final card of the day is Cunning Wish. Cunning Wish is the blue uh, witch spell from Judgment. Two in a blue instant. You may choose an instant card you own from outside the game. Reveal that card and put it in your hand. Exile Cunning Wish. 
Um, so Cutting Wish, I, I told the story of the wishes. Anyway, uh, I don't want to say I've made a lot of banned restricted cards or had a hand in a lot of banned restricted cards, but I got to see and I'm at work. So anyway, uh, we will have more of these podcasts, but for right now, uh, because I'm here, we all know what that means. I mean, this is the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. I'll see you guys next time.